He said to me, <laughs> I'm scared about having kids because wouldn't it be cruel if we brought a kid into the world and the kid didn't make a decision for Jesus and they died and went to hell? Calvinists don't have that problem. Anyway, this was the <laughs> that's a Molinist problem. <laughs> yeah, because if he's not elect, he ain't got a chance anyway. <laughs> yeah, I mean that's basically it. <laughs> the four horsemen. What you have here is the four horsemen united, live and exciting color. Um, not those four horsemen. These four horsemen discuss theology from different viewpoints, different perspectives, as we show people how to have discussions without turning into a keyboard warrior. Are you stupid? Now, here's Dennis Thurman, Adam Black, Benjamin Kerfman, and Derek McCarson, the Four Horsemen. I never had that exact question phrased like that, and and I've never heard it in the, the context of... I'm Plus, afraid, if they were predestined to have children, I'm they were going to have, to have whether a they child to Because not. this might be the outcome of it. Right. I've never, never encountered that. Well, the... It, the solution to that is, is you have to trust that God's purposes in election are good, well, regardless of what he I asked him two basic questions. I said, number one, what is the scripture's stance on children? Well, children are a blessing. Yes, that's what the Bible says. Right. Number two, is God sovereign? Yes. All right. Well, then those two things right there should answer right. a lot of questions. And at the end of the day, it's it's up to to God's plan for that child's life as to what determines their outcome. I mean, you, you can't, no parent can know exactly for sure what the plan of God is, you know, regarding their children or their, even their spouse, you know what I mean? And so it's like, at some point you just have to have faith and say, God's good. And God's going to do all of his holy will. And, and, um, if I, if I rack my brain and try to make my decisions based on what I think God's going to do, or what I think another person's going to do, you, you'll never, do anything in life you can't be paralyzed by fear and what exactly. if god's plan for that child is they're going to grow up and they're going to be a pastor or they're going to be a missionary or they're going to be somebody who's going to a godly mom influence <laughs> a lot of people yeah in a in a positive way you, you know you having kids is a great way to influence a lot of people it always yeah. come down to if noah in the worst of environments could get all of his children on the ark then we have the opportunity as well that's a good point that's true. Yep, man. That's right. And the Lord closed the door on the ark. Mm. Mm. Yep. He uh, he cover he commanded Noah to cover the ark in atonement. Oh my goodness! Pitch. Are we talking about a type? Yes. Picture a symbol foreshadowing, which is not the same as baptism, by the way. Presbyterians and every other Christian that's not a Baptist. <laughs> 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 Get your covenants right. Anyways, that's a different that's a different episode. Hi, welcome to another episode of the Four Horsemen. Come on down. We we are uh, tired and uh, distracted and hungry, or at least in my case. And so, but sober, um, we're sober. Yes, but with we a are, sweet we Stephen Furtick looking haircut. We are very you uh, sober. Yes, I have hipster hair. Yeah. That no one can see right now, and I'm hoping my wife's not going to freak out when I get home tonight. Thanks to Asheville Barbers, um, I think we should have a follow up podcast on the reaction that you got when your wife the hair, saw you. The hairstyle of you might not have to worry yes. about having kids. What your hairstyle says about your preaching <laughs> that, that would be a good one. <laughs> that would be a good one, right? 
I, I sound uh, really relevant right now based on my hair. It Anyways. certainly affected Samson's testimony. Yes. Oh, that's mm. good. I don't, maybe we should do that one. What about John the Baptist? He had some pretty wild hair, I would assume. Mm-hmm. Covered uh, in camel's hair. Derek's the only one in here without a beard. What does that say? Well, so He's got a little <laughs> bit of a shadow going. I don't know. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's like, we'll pray for He's him. not reformed. Yeah. I don't know. He's closer than the rest of y'all. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. He's almost there. He's one decree away. Anyways, um, (laughs) our actual topic this evening is going to be about uh, children. And uh, are they good? Are they bad? Are they both? Or ugly. But specifically, should (laughs) Christians have children? And uh, the reason why we ask this is um, there's all all kinds of statistics that I don't have in front of me that indicate that um, part of the reason why Christianity is uh, shrinking in some parts of the world is basically just up to a population issue of um, Muslims and others um, are having a lot of kids and Christians are having no kids or very few kids. And so just by attrition... um, the church is getting smaller in some uh, countries and less influential as a result, right? Less kids means less people in political office and less pastors and less deacons and less people uh, sharing the gospel. And so those things all have an effect on society. And a lot of Christians don't think about it that way, especially in America as individualistic. We are a lot of times we're thinking, okay, how does this affect me as an individual? How does this affect me and my spouse? And not so much, how does this affect the church? How does it affect the gospel? How does it affect society? And so these are some things that we want to kind of have a conversation about and think through and help people um, think through and maybe even challenge um, with some ideas. So um, the first thing that we want to ask with regard to children is, is it biblical to have children? Does the Bible command Christians to have children? Yes, all right, what you got? From the creation, God's order was be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. And so the scripture's clear in Psalm 127 that children are the heritage of the Lord. Blessed is the man who has his quiver full of them. And you see God's covenantal blessing upon Israel by the numbers of children that are multiplied uh, within families. And and so you see Jesus in the New Testament gathering all the little children and blessing them and saying, this is an example of the kingdom of heaven. You see the prophet speaking of the future day and the uh, whatever your concept of the uh, end of the age uh, of, of a place populated with children. And so, uh, yes, I, I, and I also believe that you can look at the opposite, the reason why abortion and things like that, the diminishing of, of population, the uh, absolutely insane idea that the world is overpopulated, all of that's the, the attack of the, of the evil one. Uh, and, and so, yes, children, uh, we need to have children and many children, and it's biblical. This is coming from a man who took that very literally. Yes, I did. We have we have what? Three kids. You got three. Five. Six. Two. So we've got what? Sixteen kids represented. Yeah. To play football. There we go. There we go. We got <laughs> and I have thirteen grandchildren without two yet to be married and go into production. So step it up. 
Caleb yes. and Corey. Yes. Anyway. Exactly. <laughs> they can find a woman who'll put up with Get married first. Them. Get married first. Yes. So, so, uh, so you would make the argument, uh, Derek and uh, Adam, would you guys agree with that, that the Bible commands believers to have children? I don't know if command is the... I don't, I don't know if that's the right word. I would agree with what the scriptures say. I just don't know from a command because some people can't. Well, be fruitful and multiply is in the paradigm. Well, okay, we'll get to that in a minute. But, yeah, but that, assuming, my- assuming that a Christian couple is able to have children, we'll talk about that in a minute, but assuming that they are able, does the Bible command them? Or another way that you could say it is this way. If a Christian couple is able to have children, and refuses to do so, are they in sin for doing that? I've heard some people say yes. I think people are self-centered by nature, and that can be a manifestation of that. Uh, I I think it could be a whole host of reasons, but none of them are are good reasons. Uh, It could be fear. I think we were talking a little bit uh, uh, pre-recording discussion that uh, people look at the current climate of things, the way things are in the culture, and say, I'm not going to bring children into this. But but again, that's operating from principle of fear rather than faith, mm-hmm. rather than trusting in God. And, and I love this in Psalm 127. It says, like arrows in the hand of a warrior, so are the children of one's youth. If you think about them as being, uh, you know, weapons of God launched into a society of evil to make a difference. And, and the only pushback I'd give you, Ben, on your opening statement, I think that cultural Christians— Many of them are uh, cutting back on the numbers of children that they're having. But I believe solid conservative uh, believers uh, are still heeding the biblical injunction. And so there's a great opportunity for us as liberals or aborting their children, as there are many same-sex couples without children, uh, all of these kinds of things that are going on that, uh, that God's people, if they can bring those children in, and raise them the right way, they become powerful arrows launched into the future. Here's my two cents on it. I'm, I mean, I'm, I don't see anywhere in Scripture a command that we must have children or else we're in sin. Um, but I say if you're a Christian couple and you have the ability to have children and you want to have children, you should because having children will add a tremendous amount of spiritual value to your life. You will learn so much about yourself, about how selfish you are (laughs) and how much you have to lay down your life to provide for somebody else. Um, Having children is a great sanctifying agent in your life. It will teach you so much about spiritual things. It will make the Bible practical to you in new and different ways. It will help you to be a better teacher. It will enhance your prayer life in that it will drive you to want to pray more for your children. Um, it will infuse your life with all kinds of desires and motivations that maybe you didn't have before because before you had children, you were just about you, but now you're about uh, protecting and providing for that that child. And so um, I would say that uh, you, you, you go for it because God is going to use that in your life to bring about so many positive transformational things in your heart that you can't get any other way. 
So, so Adam and Derek, if I'm hearing you say this correctly, when it says be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth, that's not a command. It's a different dispensation. So it doesn't well, count. I mean, it's obviously. It's, it's the world as God framed it and intended it to function. It was before the fall. It's, it's God's original master plan. I, I'm, just, I'm just asking. Obviously, it's, it's, a, it's a command to Adam. But I mean, as far as that being repeated in the New Testament to the church, I mean, I don't, I don't see that anywhere. But I'm saying that if you're a Christian couple and you want to have kids and you have the ability to have kids, you should have kids. But I don't think if that you if you don't want to, if you, if you don't want to have children, yeah, like I've met people before that are like, you know, well, yeah, we could have kids, yeah. but we just decided well, not I've, to. Yeah, I know. People or I've like met that. people that are like, hey, we got married. And she went ahead and got her tubes tied, and we can't have kids in anyways, and we don't even, we're just not interested in doing that. Or they'll say, you know, we're not having kids of our own, even though we can, but we are going to adopt or do something like that. Like I've heard, I've heard those kind of statements before. Right, I've heard those too. You're yeah. robbing yourself of a great blessing. And that's would, what I'm saying. That's my argument. I would it? agree with that, and because I've I know several people. I know I know several people who they can't have kids, which is another topic. Right. Um, but I know several who they just simply don't want to have kids, and um, I don't know that I've gotten into a deep conversation as to why they don't want to have kids. Um, but, um, again, that's why I'm not to be the Calvinist here, but it's God's plan for the, you know, I mean, honestly though, I mean, if God didn't want you to have kids, he would make it so that you didn't have kids. Yeah. And, and that might be the case. I, I don't know. I, did, I, I just, I'm just trying to think from a perspective cause I agree wholeheartedly. I, I, you know, kids, it takes you from. You know, it's all about me to it ain't about me at all, you know, to to that that sense of love and sacrifice that you would do anything for them. Well, see, it's it, you know, I can I can speak from personal experience because as a father of six, I did not want to have children when we got married or at least not right away. I was like my philosophy was, you know, we'll be the nuclear family. And after we get out of school and pay off our house and get a boat and whatever, then, you know, we'll have one boy and one girl, like a good American family and, and kind of do our duty, you know, before God to replace ourselves or whatever. And that was basically my mentality. And, uh, that was a huge point of conviction that the Holy spirit dealt with me about of, um, you think that children are a curse. You think that your material security or your personal enjoyment or the plans that you have are better than what God would have for you in children. Uh, You're sitting in judgment on God as far as uh, whether you know what's best for you or not regarding children. And that was an area of my life that I had to surrender. Um, And, you know, I didn't plan on having six children. Um, And... uh, Obviously, God had a different plan for me. And are there challenges that come with that? Sure. Do I have everything that I want? Absolutely not. Does my life look completely different than what I thought it was going to be when I got married? Yes, it's completely different. I wouldn't change any of it. Right. And and like I wholeheartedly say amen to what Derek said, that as far as sanctification goes, um, I mean, being a father is is one of the most challenging and sanctifying things in my life. And I mean, if you really want to understand the gospel and understand um, God in a deeper way, being a parent will definitely help you do that um, because you will, you will see and experience things that you just can't in, in any other way other than being a parent. 
And so um, I, w- I would agree with Dennis that I, f- I just cannot think of a God-honoring biblical reason for someone to refuse having children if they are, are medically able to do that. Well, let me ask you this in, in, in following up. Of course, I know that Rome is not to set the agenda for the way we live. However, looking back, why did Catholicism for centuries say not only was abortion forbidden, but birth control, period? You you were not. To, we could do well, a whole different episode. Well, but, 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 where, but where does that where does that line of thinking come from? Is it just strictly part of paganism that was infused into Rome or was it just some papal decree or, or was that you think rooted in Scripture originally? What, what I, do you think? I, I think um, something I would recommend on that, uh, John Paul II did a study on the theology of the body. He wrote about it, and um, I, I um, have seen like a video series on that and read part of that. And that, and basically the the premise of it is that w- we talked in a previous episode about meta narrative. There's this meta narrative of a holy marriage that occurs in eternity between Christ and the church and that uh, human sexuality is essentially rooted in this marinated marinated meta narrative yeah of uh of uh the eternal marriage and that as a result um uh, interfering with procreation through things like birth control um it, you know, the abortive stuff is like in agreement. I mean, if you just, if you believe that life is precious as God's word teaches, right. then you're just going to be pro-life in that sense. I right. mean, there, there's not a lot of room for discussion on that, but as far as even, uh, um, contraception and things like that, part of the reason why the church has been against that is because they, f- they felt like it was interfering with the image that God was trying to place on the earth of the, uh, eternal marriage and that in the same way that uh, Christ withheld nothing from his bride at the cross that a husband who withholds the potential for children from his wife is not emulating Christ in that way and so in that, in that sense I would make an argument that it's biblical um, that refusing to have children when you're able to do that is um, if Jesus would have refused uh, to uh, give life uh, at the cross, then there would be no gospel. Mm-hmm. And so if we're supposed to be emulating the gospel, then any human couple who is refusing to give life um, is not portraying the image of Christ the way that they should be. I think it's just something to, that we ought to weigh. And, and, and again, not trying to be crude, but the old boy in the Old Testament that uh, he and his uh, mm-hmm. wife were uh, together, shall we say, and he decides to uh, spill his seed on the ground. Uh, God did Genesis not look upon that very right. favorably. And, and and the argument would be the reason why God uh, killed him for doing that was be You mean it was a capital punishment and God executed him? Be, because why? Because he was marring the image that God was trying to portray. It, it, it was it was the same it was the same in God's mind as Moses striking the rock. Mm-hmm. Something to think about. Yeah. <clears throat> Um, and so, in that in that sense, I would I say about I, I would I would say that you could make an argument that it is <laughs> sinful to do that. Um, so, but shifting gears, that tying in with this is something that Adam brought up earlier. Okay, so let's speak to uh, the couple that has health issues, or for some biolog- biological reason is not able to do that. Um, 
if if a if a couple uh we all probably have church members loved ones family members maybe even we ourselves have experienced difficulty um in uh in conceiving children um let's let's not leave those people out right sometimes especially in the church it's easy to speak to the to the ones who are able to have kids and the other ones you know that that woman that can't celebrate mother's day even though her heart so much desires to do that you know she gets forgotten we don't want to forget them so for that for that couple that's trying um let's just speak pastorally to them is has god cursed them are they in sin is that the reason why this can't happen what what uh, what would you say to that couple in your church that just really wants with all their heart to have children and it's just god god has not done that for them what would you say to them i'm sorry i mean legitimately because i i'm i'm sure I could just imagine. I mean, it wasn't an issue for us, but I can imagine you're wanting kids, and you just it just ain't happening. I, I can just imagine, especially when you're in that season that everybody around you is having kids, and and so you've got this um, pressure, I would say, on you. And and I would I would assume that that would put some tension on the marriage, and you know. Um, so I'm sorry, and you know, any way we can, you know, rally around, I you know. I would just say it'd be a tough spot to be in just knowing how much I wanted kids and, and um, not backing up, but I mean, I've even, I've had friends who talked about getting married and wouldn't because the person that they were talking to didn't want kids. So that that was a game mm-hmm. breaker. They wouldn't, you know, so I'm just saying um, I'm sorry to them, you know, and, and praying for them. Cause I'm sure that's some, uh, that hurt. I, I would mm-hmm. assume. But I wouldn't say I would. I personally wouldn't say it's a quote unquote curse. Uh, is it an effect of sin? Yes. Um, but um, you know, I well, and, and you and you see in Scripture uh, women like Hannah and others who were childless that uh, that drove them in desperation to God in prayer. But these were were godly people. They were not in rebellion. Mm-hmm. Uh, in God's sovereign purpose, He just was withholding that capacity for that time for whatever reason. And then later on, of course, God made it possible. But I also would say that adoption is a thoroughly biblical yeah. concept mm-hmm. that we read about in the New Testament. And, um, you know, as an example of that, we've got a, a couple in our church that on the, the last, when Russia was shutting down, letting children be adopted out of the United States, that they got in on one of those last children to rescue them out of there. And then they also have adopted a child out of communist China. So here's a kid that would virtually have little chance of hearing the gospel that now has been rescued and brought in. Now, if they'd had their own children biologically, would they have done that? Well, perhaps. But, you know, what I know for sure is that, that they've chosen the route of adoption and talk about a blessing, not just to them, but to our church family and then to those two little guys of having that kind of environment where they're going to be raised up and discipled and when they probably wouldn't have been otherwise. I think adoption is an option that right. needs to be considered. For sure. So um, let's uh, switch back to this question, right? So. You've got a, you've got a, uh, say you're teaching, right? Maybe a Wednesday night class, Sunday night class, something like that. And you're talking about God's plan for the family or, or something similar, right? So, um, how many kids 
should a Christian couple have, right? Assuming that they're able to do that, everything's good. Or even in the case of adoption, you know, or something similar, um, or maybe a combination of both. Um, how many kids should a Christian couple have? <laughs> how many are you able to financially provide for? Zero. Well, and, <laughs> right. right. That, yeah, that's a valid A buddy point. of mine told me before we had kids and we had talked about having kids, he said a kid will never look good on paper. No. <laughs> well, you know, and you've heard truth. people, you've heard, I've heard guys say, well, you know, we're, we'll have kids when when we've got some stuff paid for and when we're financially ready. And when do you ever have enough money to do things like, unless you're just a stinking millionaire, you never have enough money to do things in life. You just, you have to do it. But, um, I do think that, but I do think there is some, (laughs) you know, there is some, I guess the sermon would be the right word for that. You know, could, if you can't afford food for, you know, two or I, I think there is something to it. It's not like you just keep having kids because why not? <laughs> Wasn't there a family of the Duggars or something have like eighteen kids or something? Yeah, but they I got was reading the other day. Uh, John John Wesley, I think, was one of nineteen, maybe. I think is what they were saying. I think you're right. Like Susanna that. Wesley. Susanna was prolific. Yeah, popping them out. So so, but here's the thing, though, right? So if we ask, okay, well, what does Scripture say about family size? Well, uh. We have situations now uh, with science and other things that weren't necessarily available in those times. So basically, it's like you either you either don't procreate or you die in childbirth. That's basically how you know it's God's will for you to not have more kids. Well, and one issue too with with how many kids should we have is is it's going to be up to the one who's bearing the children uh, because that's going to come into the discussion where she's going to say all right i've had three kids already and 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 i think that i'm i'm done i don't want to have any more kids that's that's a huge part of the discussion well so here's so here's here's one of the dilemmas right okay so like i said my, my wife and i have six um and uh that was always the question right every time we had a child was Okay, do we need do we need to be done now? And we would pray about that, try to see if we had peace about it. And every time we got to this point where um, we just felt like, you know what, we just we just need to trust the Lord with it. And if if that's what He wants to do, then we're just going to trust that He knows what's best. And uh, and the condition was is you know if there's ever if we come into a situation where there's uh, medical danger or or something like that, that's going to be our sign from the Lord that, you know, I got to take care of my wife. I have to be a steward of my wife, you know? And so with our sixth child, there were complications with that childbirth that made it pretty clear of, you know, you're physically just not going to be able to have kids anymore. And so, uh, and so that's when we made the decision for our youngest, uh, to be our last one, not out of a refusal from the Lord of, well, we don't want any more kids. We're done. We're like, we're making that decision, but instead affirming what the Lord was doing of saying, uh, it's clear that God has designed your body to have this many children and not anymore. And so we're accepting that. Now that was, that was in our case, but you have things like the quiverful movement, which is basically like, listen, if you've got to have 400 C-sections, you keep having 400 C-sections, no matter what the risk is, uh, because God commands you to have children. And so that be fruitful and multiply even overrides things like safety 
and finances. And so there's this there's these uh, extremes on the spectrum, right? You've got the super conservative, like Derek was saying, if I'm not a millionaire, I can't have kids. And then on the other end, you've got like, listen, you know, the doctor says my wife has a 5% chance of surviving another pregnancy, but God said be fruitful and multiply. And I think both of those can, can go too far to yeah, the sure. extreme and endanger those per, those people in different ways. And somewhere in the middle is that. So that's kind of where I'm asking, you know, all of us have different family sizes in here, right? I'm not, right. I, I wouldn't make the argument that every Christian family needs to have six kids like I have six kids. But I would challenge couples who say, we're just kind of stressed out with two and that might be all we can do. I would challenge them to say, okay, is the motivation for that a godly motivation? And for some people, the answer may be yes, I think. And for other people, it may not be. But but the, I think the question that needs to be always asked is, is, you know, provided that everything is medically safe and good and all that kind of stuff, what's the reason not to? Mm-hmm. And is that reason really a, a logical, biblical reason? Or is it fear? Is it selfishness? Is it something else? Well, my wife at the age of 40, uh, pregnant with our last one, uh, said your quiver is full. <laughs> so, 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 but but here's the, here's the thing though: is that a biblical reason though? Does well, that count? I don't know. Let me give you our phone number. <laughs> well, let's let let me interject something here. Let's talk for a second to the young man out there who is struggling with bringing children into the world. Because I've counseled young guys who are. Um, really struggling with that. They're talking with their wife about having that family and bringing kids into the world, and uh, they're paralyzed by fear. They're afraid, I'm not going to be a good dad. Um, How can I bring a child into this world? It's so wicked and evil and messed up. Uh, Maybe they didn't have a good father figure to which they could base themselves off of. And I think that there's definitely a difference between men and women in that women have that inbuilt nurturing desire god wired them to want to have children and to nurture those children and with men it's a little bit different Uh, we're wired differently and i I find that in my counseling situations uh, i'm running into young men who are very much afraid or unsure of themselves uh, when it comes to being a, a dad and that causes some huge friction in the marriage because she wants children and he's like i don't know about this so let's can we talk about that just for yeah. a minute? And the world feeds that, right? right. I mean, that, yeah. that is the narrative that is pushed on young men is like, you can't do this. Mm-hmm. And every guy on TV is an idiot. You know, he's always the young guy that's, you know, macho man and doesn't have a clue about how to care for anybody or take and care of anybody. And women don't need men. Yeah. It's the other side. Yeah. Your yeah. wife's a strong, independent woman that don't need no man. You know, that, and so the narrative is basically like uh, – you know, if if you're super rich and you're debt free and you've got some professional level job and all your education is completed and, you know, you uh, you get a dog first because dogs and babies are pretty much the same. And so you if you can house train your dog, then you can raise a kid. And that I mean, and that's based. And I've like heard people make arguments like that. You know, well, we're going to get a puppy first. I've literally heard people say that. And I'm like. Are there some similarities and responsibilities? Sure, except for one is an eternal soul that actually has value. The other is going to burn up in the end, and it doesn't really no, matter long term. You know, um, the only animal I know in heaven is horses. Amen. Anyways, um, but uh, I think there's some eagles too. <laughs> 
Did you not read about that? The oh, oh, that's right, because uh, we're in the promised land here in America. Anyways, um, <laughs> hey, man, can't spell Jerusalem without USA, amen. <laughs> Anyways, uh, <laughs> oh, oh, Lord help us. Um, but, yeah, Derek, so I, so I think the, the narrative that, that's pushed on young men reinforces this fear of, Something, some catastrophe is going to happen, and and you and your kids are just going to be out on the curb somewhere under a bridge because you're just not going to be able to cut it as a father. Mm-hmm. And I think I think the narrative that we need to give people is one, God is sovereign, and two, uh, parenting is like anything else for the Christian. It's by grace, <laughs> you know, and that no, you're not going to always be a good father, and you're not going to make enough money. And uh, you're going to do stuff that's going to damage and scar your children for the rest of their life. Like, it's going to happen. Just like you're going to continue in sin for the rest of your life, you're you're going to not love your spouse the way that you need to, you're going to not uh, walk with Christ the way you, Like, the only way that you do anything is by grace. And for some reason, we feel like, well, if I can just have enough works, whether that's in my career, in my finances, in my marriage, that somehow that's going to make me worthy enough to be a father. And the answer is, is no, you're not worthy enough. Just the same way as you're not worthy enough to be loved by God or to be forgiven of your sins. Mm-hmm. But the heavenly father is merciful and he desires for you to bear his image. And if and if you are coming to him in humility and saying, Lord, if you don't help me, I can't be a father. He'll give you what you need to do that. Mm-hmm. And that's the message they need to hear is, is, you know, yeah, the narrative of the world is true. If you're going to try to do it their, your, their way, then, yeah, you are you are going to fail. It's only by grace that you can be a parent. And, and it's certainly going to sound judgmental, but I think too many times it's the love of the world rather than the love of the Lord that's motivating people because they're thinking, I'm going to have to get rid of my sports car and exchange it for a minivan. You know, I'm going to yeah, have to. Got a minivan. My, I'm not cool. There's a commitment my, there. My kid is going to take away my video game yeah. that I love to play. You know, I'm not going to be able to go take that trip because I've got to put them into school and buy mm-hmm. clothes for them. But, but that's such a self-centered thing that it just is totally foreign to the essence of discipleship, which is to deny yourself and take up the cross and, and follow Jesus. So, uh, again, I'm not saying that, that there aren't valid reasons. I'm not saying some people, you know, need to have, have 10 children or 15 or whatever. But uh, I think a lot of times we haven't really thought through this from a biblical perspective, and we need to, we need to filter it through that. And two, uh, another thing along with that is you can't be paralyzed by fear um, in the Christian life. And you can't worry and fret about things that you can't control. Like, for instance, the argument, I can't bring a child into this world. And look how look how messed up our world is. Well, my goodness, has there ever been a time on planet Earth when it wasn't like that? I'm millennialism. It's been worse, <laughs> actually. And so, yeah, um, I mean, th- think about the early church, right? I mean, they had a good of excuses anybody of like, hey, we're getting dipped in wax and lit on candles in the emperor's courtyard. Mm-hmm. You want to raise kids around that? You know, where's daddy? Oh, he's he's uh, he's lighting up the, the vineyard he's tonight. He's the light of the world. <laughs> you know, yeah. yeah. You know what I mean? And it's like, you know, uh, communist China and these places where Christians are being persecuted. It's not holding them back. You know, and here we are talking, talking, talking about, you know, I got to sell the bass boat. You know, it's like, listen, if if that's the biggest sacrifice you have to make in order to honor God in your life, then you should you should be privileged. It's a big, you sacrifice, know, though. 
Wow. And and even and I've even thought about, you know, again, we've got some folks in our church that can't apparently have children and they've tried uh they do foster parenting. So here here's these kids that just nobody cares about them. They're in desperate conditions and and they get to take them in and for a season of life, you know, sow gospel truth uh, into their hearts. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, it's something, please, I hope my wife doesn't listen to this uh, broadcast <laughs> podcast, but I've, I've even thought about that at our age, you know, because as, as much as it would be an upheaval in my life, you know, somebody's got to take care of those, those youngins. Well, and these are eternal souls. Yes. You know what I mean? You're, yes. you're, you're laying up treasure in heaven when you're, when you're loving the least of these, you know, and, ch- and children are the least of these. And, and I mean, that's why, you know, the, the whole concept of, uh, for me to make a statement like, well, me and my wife are going to refuse to have children even though we can, how is that any different than the disciples rebuking people for bringing their children to Jesus? When Jesus is saying, let the little children come to me. God, It's clear in Scripture that God's heart is oriented toward children and especially towards orphans and those who are helpless. And so, you know, James says, you know, true religion is caring for orphans and widows in their distress, you know. And so things like foster care and adoption, something like that is is great examples of that, of of saying um, uh, if Jesus was here, he would receive these children. He, he would want them to come to him. And, and I want to be like him in doing that. And... Uh, and there's such a huge need. I mean, th- these places are so desperate for some good uh, foster homes and places to adopt and things like that. And it's not easy. It has its own set of challenges and in some ways can be way harder um, than raising children biologically. Um, but uh, but there's definitely there's definitely something to be said said for that. And so I think I think in conclusion, we can say that. Um, the Bible teaches that children are precious and that they are a gift from God and a blessing from him. And that if we're starting from that point, right, what our families are going to look like, what the size of it is going to look like, what our children are going to look like, whether they're going to be biologically ours or ours by another means or whatever it is, there's a lot of diversity there. There's, there's no one size fits all for the plan for the family. Uh, But if we're starting from a place of, Children are a blessing and not a curse. And starting from a place of humility and willingness uh, to to submit to whatever God's plan is, um, I think that we're going to end up in the right place um, if we have if we have that that spirit of of uh, Lord. Uh, as with anything, you know, remove any idols in my heart, remove any selfishness, and and allow me to be submissive to whatever you would have my family do in this situation. And I think I think if we can do that. Um, the Lord is sovereign enough that he, he will work out his perfect plan for us in that. You can continue the conversation online by visiting us on Facebook at facebook.com slash the number four horsemen. Don't forget to tell your friends and enemies about the podcast and be sure to subscribe and review. They look at me funny when I talk like I got a speech impediment. Homie, check my passport. Heaven, I'm a resident. Like a conscious rapper, but do more than master president. I see brothers coughing, so I hit them with the medicine. On the other side, they say the grass is greener. Seen the forecast, man, they calling for Katrina.